Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis, and we are so excited to continue our month of May, our Women in Sports Month. We've had some phenomenal coaches, some basketball coaches. We had a hockey coach on, and we're going to continue in the hockey world. Um, a, an unbelievable coach that we have on here today, someone who I know personally um, over the years and have been lucky to be able to teach her children and, and get to know her as a person. And um, I just know one heck of a coach and was one heck of a hockey player. Uh, is currently the head girls hockey coach at Mefford High School, played Division I college at Northeastern University, uh, actually capped in senior year, won the Bean Potter senior year as well. Uh, we know how, you know how great the Bean Pot tournament is in this area. Uh, top 20 in all-time scoring at Northeastern uh, you know, women's hockey, which is really impressive because it's an incredible program as, as we saw this year. Um, you know, coached at Northeastern for three years and even had a stint with playing with, you know, USA Hockey for a little bit after a collegiate career as well. So someone who's well-rounded as a player and well-rounded as a coach and I think represents everything we want for the month of May. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Ray, Ray and Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Mr. P? Anthony. Good, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> So, so, you know, I'm really excited to have you on here today. I think, you know, I think that you, um, you just have such a, an incredible resume and what you've done and what, how you've been a game, part of the game of hockey for a really long time. Um, and I'm just going to start out and I've started out with every guest this month asking the same question because not only am I having some pretty good uh, coaches on here, but also like some serious street cred to the athletes that some of these coaches were from this month too. I mean, division one, division two, you know, hockey and, and basketball players. And again, you know, you, you being playing at Northeast and division one, I mean, your story is going to be a little different because you played hockey in a time period that girls hockey wasn't as popular as the boys game. So girls that played hockey were really playing with the boys for a very long time. So talk about your start into hockey and how it led you down to the road of Northeastern. So, I mean, the greatest part about my hockey story is just being from this neighborhood in Medford. Um, we just went public skating and it was a, um, the great Tony Bova who is still running uh, learn to skate and in-house program in Medford. He just pulled me aside one day and said, Hey, you ever think about playing hockey? And it's the history was made then. I mean, if it was, to, if he had never asked, I would have never played. So back then I was the only girl playing in Medford. Um, there were a couple of girls that came after me, but you know, going through the program right here, um, I was the only girl on the team. And then when I got, when I hit high school, I had to make that transition for obvious reasons of boys being bigger, stronger, faster. And, you know, I was able to find a program locally, Stoneham Unicorns, um, which was awesome. A great foundation for me um, to make that transition into girls hockey. And I, I can't not mention that when I was in junior high school, um, my gym teacher knew a gentleman who coached college hockey. So I was able to actually meet him seventh and eighth grade. His name was Don McLeod, great Don McLeod head coach at Northeastern, my coach at Northeastern for two years. And it was then that the seed was planted that I knew that there was a future, a possibility to actually go and play college hockey. So I had decisions to make in my high school years and whether to continue playing boys hockey or take the girls route and um, that's what I did. And, you know, fortunately, Stoneham, we, we were um, national contenders. Um, we played against Acevit, Chelmsford, Nighthawks around here, but we were always in the nationals, in the running and got great exposure to be able to be recruited to go to college. 
What was like the biggest transition for you from jumping to playing in the boys game to the girls game was, did you feel like you, the, you were playing faster than a lot of girls? Or did you feel like the challenges were kind of still the same? I mean, what was that big transition for you? I mean, I, I don't know necessarily that it was a transition, but I, even to this day, you can still tell, you can identify a girl who has played boys hockey. I don't know what the reasoning is. Maybe the physicality, there's less finesse in the boys game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the difference was, but it definitely was. Um, I don't want to say I was faster or stronger or that it did separate. And there were those few players in, on every team that you could tell also played boys hockey along the way. I don't know what it is, even yeah. to this day. It's an advantage. I mean, there's definitely some sort of advantage there. And, oh, know, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for you too, it speaks volumes for you as, as, as a young girl. I mean, when you are playing a sport with all boys and, and having to play with the boys for a really long time, obviously, you know, that's not an easy task in itself. I mean, you know, it's, it's growing up and, you know, not, nowadays we don't see it as much because there's girls softball, there's girls hockey, there's girls basketball, there's right. girls everything. But in that time period, there really wasn't. So it definitely, you know, toughened your game up and maybe made your game and fine-tuned it. So when you brought it to that, you know, to the other side and playing all girls, it just had you ready and playing maybe at a faster pace. That's great. Um, yeah, it was definitely different too socially. And think about those formative years in terms of, um, you know, girls and boys in general and then locker room issues and, Every girl that played boys hockey in my generation, even after, um, and probably still happens today, there has to be that separation at some point of the girls getting dressed in a different location if they're if they're a co-ed team. So um, yeah, it was it was challenging, and um, but for the most part, once you're on the ice, you're a team. You're a team. You're just another. I will say the opponents weren't easy on you. So it did toughen you up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously making that choice to go to Northeast. And I know you were choosing between a couple of different schools. I think Providence you had mentioned to me and I, I forget the other, but you know, pretty dominant uh, women's uh, college hockey programs at the time. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so I guess my question to you is, is what made Northeastern maybe stand out a little bit more? I know, obviously, you kind of had that little bit of a connection before, but what was it that as a young girl who's maybe trying to make those decisions in the year or two, you know, what was some of the things that really went into your, you know, decision making specifically? Um, I always prided myself with being a city kid. <laughs> so that was one of the, that was one of the reasons. And, um, you know, resources and being the ability to be able to come home or commute because that was going to be a decision I had to make. And for two, you know, my freshman, my first year, my fourth year, I did commute. I lived at home just, you know, for obvious reasons of um, affordability. Um, but UNH and Providence and Northeastern were my the top three schools. And I did, I, I, I'm so glad I made the decision to go to Northeastern. Um, so much pride there. And it was the connection to Coach McLeod. Um, however, both coaches at North uh, at UNH and Providence were just awesome as well. So um, I think just being close to home, I take you know I'm still a homebody. I still love being here in Medford. So um, I think that was basically what it came down to. I could still come home when I needed to. Yeah, and I think that that's important. You know, part of your happiness when you go off and play college is that, you know, that you're happy. And if you're not near home and you're not near your comfort zone and 
that means your your team's not getting the best version of you. So obviously that is right. a big part of any decision making that you do. And you know, it, it's funny. You're the third Northeastern like coach slash athlete that I've had on this program. We had Gene Bain on from Mefford as well, right. who coaches at Brandeis, and then Chelsea Goldberg, who we'll probably be speaking a little bit about throughout this podcast. Um, you know, who went to Northeastern and now plays in the PWHPA. So um, I, I don't know what it is. Northeastern Northeastern athletes turn into phenomenal coaches or continue their athletic careers and they do a great job. So I'm really lucky. I got three of you. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. speaking of Northeastern, I mean, obviously I read your street cred earlier, right? I mean, you were a captain, you won the bean pot, um, you know, top 20 scoring in, in school history. I mean, playing at that level, I mean, when a coach or a team elects you as a captain, I mean, captains are captains, not necessarily because they're the best player in the world. It's because they have these leadership qualities on top of it that, you know, the team can like, you know, rally around and rely on and look to. And so, you know, you have captains on your team and they're elected for a reason. Talk about maybe life after Northeast and obviously being there and playing, but like, do you keep in touch with your team still, your teammates or coaches, things like that? Oh, absolutely. So yeah, even after playing, I actually went back and I coached there. So, you know, there was, wasn't ready to leave there quite yet. I loved playing under Coach McLeod. And then um, my junior and senior year, I played for Heather Lindstad. And um, I think was the turning point for my playing days, you know, as far as um, a female um, head coach. Not that Coach McLeod wasn't great, because he was, but it was a different perspective. First time in my life I had had a head coach that was a female that actually had experience as well. And then to continue that, you know, just the lessons that she had, I guess, gave me, I wanted to continue with her in the program. Um, That's one of the things she instilled was always giving back to your program. Don't forget where you came from. And that wasn't really a hard thing to, to grapple, grasp anyway, because I always, I already felt that way here. Like I, you know, just always a Mustang, but always a Husky too. And, um, and that continued. She, she, in so many ways, like she just made us remember it wasn't just the time that you were there. You always got to give back. Don't forget where you came from. And so, yeah, going back and coaching and my teammates and the girls that I coached, they're, you know, they're a lot of who I am today is because of them and the experiences. And um, yeah, I'm still very close. Some of my best friends and my teammates, lifelong friends. And you know, this year was so fun following the program. Right. Um, I go back every year for the alumni events, uh, golf outings, or. But this year was especially fun because they had such a successful year, and we had watch parties every week. Um, so, it, it's been fun. We've had a lot of um, super moments together. Still up to this day, you know. Um, you know, 90 to 94 is when I played. So here we are all these years later and still connecting. Even through the pandemic, it was great. Yeah, and especially, obviously, the bond of, of how well the women's team was doing this year. I mean, having watch parties, whether that's on Zoom or FaceTiming oh. with each other or whatever, I mean, that's a cool way to bring you guys together, too, during this, this kind of crazy last year, year and a half, you know? Yeah, and it also brought us, like, with some of the newer alum. You know, some we're not connected a lot of times until they're out and it's glad to you know it was glad to meet new kids new new alum and kind of show them the show them the ropes i guess i don't know 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. I mean, that's, it's, it's amazing to hear that because you hear that at the high school level, a small high school level, and then to hear, you know, like a big school like Northeastern and how, you know, the alumni blood runs deep and everyone's there for each other and cares about the program. I mean, it's cool. You guys are watching them on TV as they're playing, obviously, but you were there at one point, you know, you kind of set the path for them. So you feel like it's your championship game too, your championship. If they, you know, if they won, you know, it's, it's how you guys feel. It's great. Yeah, well, I think some of us really feel like we planted the seed or at least continued. So even in the history of Northeastern, there's been some, you know, bumps in the road where that my sophomore year playing, they were going to eliminate the program. Um, and that's come up a couple of times. So I think we've had, you know, the, the program itself has had some challenges and it's the alumni who rally at this point um, and just make sure like everything that we've done is it still has a purpose, you know? Absolutely. So, no, it, and it's cool. I mean, it's just a cool yeah. thing to hear. I'm, I'm all about alumni. It was the first thing I did as a head coach was really try to get alumni reinvolved back in the program or some that have never been involved in the program to get them get involved in the program. So I, I understand how important alumni is. And so you had a great career. Obviously you won the bean pot. You were captain, like we said. Um, and then life after Northeastern, I mean, you know, you're at that crossroads a little bit that you've played hockey. It's been hockey, hockey, hockey for you. Um, and, you know, some some players decide what they want to do after that. And you kind of got associated with USA Hockey a little bit. And you played in some tournaments in Lake Placid. I know when we talked, I mean, talk about that next step for you after Northeast and what you kind of did and the road that you went down uh, to continue your playing career a little further. So it kind of went hand in hand as far as it was, I think, going into my senior year of college when USA Hockey had invited you to camps to try out festivals and stuff um so I was uh, you know involved a little bit and we went I went to Lake Placid we played in a um tournament against Canada and I believe it I don't know if it was Sweden or Switzerland I can't remember it's so long ago um because all that really mattered was that we were growing the game and we were an opportunity to play with the best players at that time so I did. I stayed with, the, I was involved in USA hockey as long as you were invited. So if you were getting the invite to go, then it was a good day. You know, it was a good time. So I did stay involved as long as I could until they told me no, <laughs> you know? So, um, it was brief, but you know, um, as far as at that high level, um, I wasn't ready to give it up. It's hockey is, it's a part of my fiber. You know, I started from the days of Tony Bova asking me to join to play, and it's part of who I am. So I wasn't ready to give it up. And then, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I was paying it forward as well, coaching-wise, because it's, I know what the sport has done for me, not only um, life lessons, but just everything from my teammates, my experiences, my travels. I wanted to make sure I could give that opportunity to somebody else. So, yeah, USA Hockey was awesome. I mean, it was pretty incredible at the time. Like some of the, the your, fierce, your fiercest opponents, UNH, Providence, um, and at the time, Brown and BC, they were making their way. Um, their top players were at these festivals. It was just probably the best hockey I've ever played, you know, or, or with, you know. So it was, it was pretty incredible experience, humbling. Yeah. 
It's awesome. I mean, it just shows how great of a play you were and obviously your love and passion for the game and, and how you pursued it. And, you know, we're talking across the country. I mean, across the country, oh. it's not just a local area or a state. I mean, you're playing across the country with some yeah. of the best players in it. So it's, it's awesome. Um, and you and will, to it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I'll add that, you know, across the country, everybody from across the country in Canada at the time, they were coming, they were the ones coming to Northeastern UNH Providence. And then it started to, it started to grow, which was great. But um, it was, everybody came here to play. So you, you know? knew a lot of these girls then playing in these oh, festivals yeah. and these tournaments, you knew a lot yeah. of these girls. Yeah. And it's funny cause then you'd play against them and you'd be, you know, just, you know, opponents nasty. And then your friends, you know, off the, you know, at right. the buzzer, the buzzer rings and, Hey, what's going on? You know? Yeah. How's life? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the best kids, some of the best people in the world. So, yeah, well, you know, and you alluded to this earlier, but, and, and I mean this, you know, I, I think you are a trailblazer. I mean, look what you've done. You, you know, you played in a time that you were playing with the boys before girls hockey even, you know, was this getting into the category of boys hockey and you were able to kind of, you know, blaze the trail let's just say it you know for the youth that uh the professionals that are playing right now these girls that are playing like the chelsea goldbergs and the pwhpa that are playing now for you know the next generation of girls who are trying to make this a sustainable lifestyle that they could be professional right. hockey players and make a salary you started that you kind of broke that open i mean do you do you look at yourself like that and never think like i am a part of this start i am a part of you know of a, 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 a small piece but i'm a part of you know helping women's hockey grow in this country yeah it's not something that you're really it's not a conceited thing or anything like that but you know the last olympics right when u.s won the gold back right and you hear the commentating and it's great you're hearing the female commentators the girls that have played and have experience they know what they're talking about but yeah when they say trailblazers i do feel that you know especially like Olympic time, you're there watching because you know what? That was you chasing that dream at one point or even the generation just before me, right? Um, they're, they're the real, they're the real trailblazers, but they didn't have the opportunity. The programs weren't there as far as the college programs just yet. So they're the ones that actually planted the, the real seed. And then we started to grow it. And then someone like Chelsea, I know she was, I'm pretty certain she was coached by Linda Lundrigan, who was not only a friend before college, but one of my teammates. And she's the epitome of the, of the Northeastern Husky. She stayed working on campus, became an assistant coach, and she has worked tirelessly um, to make sure that you always give back to your program. Know where you came from, the same message, but people like Chelsea, have embraced that and it shows like she's, she's doing it. Um, she's experiencing the growing pains as far as at the professional level to sustain it as a lifestyle. Those are the, those are the growing pains that we had as a college program. So it has grown a lot, but now it's trying to get it to the, to the finish line. Right. And to yeah. hear that Chelsea's still doing what she's doing, but she's really humble and she knows, she knows what she has and what she, the work that needs to be done. And she doesn't take it for granted either. So it's, it's refreshing too. 
Yeah. And I just, I, you know, talking to you and listening to you, I mean, that's it. You, you, you know, whether you look at it as you're a big part or a small part, you're a part of this. And I think it's important to, to recognize that and make sure that you understand that. I mean, you know, 20 years from now, hopefully women's hockey is a, a sport that, you know, they're making very good money and can have a family and live off of that salary, just like any other boy sport. So right. um, to know that you're a part of that, I mean, your players should know that your girls should know that we'll talk about them later. You know, they played for you, but um, people should realize that about you. And if they don't, well, well now, they, now they know. So well, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, and so I know that after Northeastern, again, you coach at Northeastern a little bit. I know that you coached at Brookline and then you kind of became a mom, you know, and being a mom is the number one responsibility out there. So, um, you know, it took you away from coaching a little bit, not necessarily the game itself, but in 2008, I know that you returned to Medford um, as an assistant coach, but coaching in the program. And you had some squads there. I mean, you had some pretty good players. I mean, the Brittany Lanzillis, the Kaylee Lanzillis are assisted, the Adriana Perrazzo's, you know, your daughters, uh, Brenner and Rayanne. I mean, you coached them, you know, later on when you became a head coach. But talk about some of the hockey talent you saw come through Medford when you got back there in 2008. Yeah, well, you know, it's really strange. I just had my son. He was like six weeks old and the great Dave McCarthy, who was my junior high gym teacher. I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was at the school pushing the stroller and he's like, I want to talk to you. And so he had taken over the program and he said, I know you, you got a young family, but I'd love for you to join, join uh, my team and jump on board as my assistant. And yeah, little did I know I was jumping into a program that was just already just awesome as far as, um, you know, it was still kind of new. I will say that Medford, I think at that point it was in its fourth year, maybe fifth. So he was still taking it on, but Medford Rec had done the work and they put the work in for girls hockey. So we had a feeder system that was coming in and yeah, Brittany Lanzilli, Adrian Perrazzo, Sam Lopalato. Ailish Fallon, like there were a couple years, I mean, we had some real skill. Um, and working with Dave was one of the best experiences of my life. I, I've never met a man with so much um, respect and character and integrity in my life. Uh, one of the best, truly, truly the best men, people I've ever known in my life. So working with him for, I think it was, seven years, maybe eight. I learned so much from him, not even just from the hockey aspect, but just as a person, how to carry yourself. Um, and just when you think you know it, you know something, you know, you see it differently sometimes when you get a lesson given to you from someone like Dave. So yeah, I loved working with Dave. Um, he was the best. Yeah. And, and I know I have a great Dave McCarthy story. I mean, I, I got to work with him for a few years when I was permanent subbing at the school that I'm currently at now. And um, I started when I was like 21. So I mean, I'm 38 now. So we're talking 17 years. Dave hasn't missed one of my birthdays. Um, when he was still working at the school, he would put a birthday card in my mailbox yeah. every single year and he knew it. And even when he retired and stopped working at the school to this day, you know, he was sending it to Mefford and then I moved to Wilmington and I now get cards sent to me in Wilmington. So that's just the type of guy he is, the type of man that he is. And whenever oh. I see him, it's always just, I'm happy and like love to conversate with him, you know? Yeah. I actually, quick story. Well, I'll do two quick stories. When I was coaching at Brookline, um, 
I, I think I got like coach of the year or something, right? Which was a great honor. Not that I'm dismissing that, but it was mm -hmm. phenomenal. And my AD calls me in like, I don't know, April and says, hey, you got some mail here in the mailbox. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. He says, you know, come on in. So it's a card from Dave McCarthy. Yeah. Sent it to Brookline High School, to my AD, to make sure I got it. And then, of course, every year, my own daughters get a congratulatory, like, hey, great job on a great season. Like, he is just that man. He keeps track of these kids, and he cares. So he still has it in him. You know, yeah, he's still, yeah, absolutely. That's him as a person that just tells you who he is. Yeah, incredible yeah. guy. He coached you know, Wakefield boys hockey for a really long time before that, too. So he was, you know, he's quite a guy. He really is. I think he has something like over 200 victories in his career. Over. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, I think that speaks for itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but then eventually you kind of took that program over for him. And, you know, I, I was an assistant coach for a long time. And when you take a program over, the one thing you realize is there's so many things you're responsible for that you never realize you were actually going to be responsible for until the season starts because you are the, you know, the other person everything goes to. So talk about that transition a little bit. I know you have a lot of hockey experience. You understand the game really well, but just maybe the transition of being a head coach and some of the things that you maybe took on that you didn't realize were a part of the job. Well, I think it wasn't that difficult of a transition only because I was the head coach at Brookline. So okay. I had already taken on that responsibility. However, taking it on and having a young family and all the communications and technology definitely was different. Um, it's supposed to be easier, but I feel like technology can be super challenging. And, um, but I don't know necessarily like, yeah, I, you know, pucks and or how, you know, who's going to do this. And yeah, Dave did assign a lot of the things that I didn't have to. Right. Um, but it wasn't that difficult. And I guess knowing at that time, also knowing every girl that was in the program and coming in, um, it wasn't difficult. And obviously working with athletics at Medford High School has been one of the easiest, pleasurable things. You know, Bobby Maloney and, you know, Rachel Perry have been awesome. So it's been, it's been an easy transition. And the resources that are available are just, they make that, for those reasons, it has made it, um, not really difficult, less yeah. challenging than a lot of coaches deal with. How's that? Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously having your athletic director support or your assistant athletic director support oh. does make your life a lot easier and they're able to help you transition with some things that, you know, maybe it just, you got so much on your plate already. So there anything that right. they can take off of it or make easier for you is just, it's golden. It really yeah. is. Um, so when you take over a program like that, I mean, as far as, I mean, you learned a lot from Dave and you, and you really understand the game and, and so on and so forth. But what would you say was like your biggest change in culture? Like what was something that you wanted to maybe establish in your program? Because, it, you know, this is my program now and this is one thing that I want to make sure that we kind of like live off of. Right. So I didn't think that, not that anything was, I didn't have to change much because right, Dave right. was such a, a, a stoic, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I would even have enough great words to say about him. I think it was the relatability at, at some point when it comes to female athletes and um, a female coach. Um, but I just wanted to reinforce everything that Dave did, but on a level where it was a, you know, a little bit more 
relativity to me being a female. Um, you know, it's just a naturalness of, you know, a male head coach to a female head coach. Not that, not good, bad, or indifferent. It was just that the culture happened naturally. I didn't yeah. need to have to want to change anything. Um, but it was the relatability. Um, and setting, you know, there's a, there's a way to go, like having a standard, like these, um, this is my, what I would like setting your goals, but you have to have reasonable goals as well, based upon your, your personnel and what you have on the roster. And, you know, I think those are the things that I get, I really focused on and family. I, I wanted to make sure that they understood that, you know, we're a team, but this is family for the next three months. So, yeah. And I mean, and that's, I mean, listen, we talked about Northeastern early. I mean, that's what you were really saying, especially even after life after Northeastern of how you guys are a family and keep in touch. Yeah. And alumni base. So I could see you totally building, you know, the foundations of your program on that, just, just that yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's dive into your mind a little bit. I want to dive into your coaching oh, mind a little bit. And the first thing I want to bring up is penalty kill. Uh, I think special teams in hockey, like in any sport, is so important. and can win you a game or lose you a game. And I had Natalie, Finn, uh, Natalie Flynn on here a few weeks ago from Island Catholic, and we talked about you know, setting up a power play. But I want to focus on penalty kill. Um, what are the four people that you're looking to put out there? Are they typically your best four skaters or are you looking for the girls at the top who are playing, you know, against their point to be able to sacrifice their body and take a shot or take a wrist shot, take a slap shot. I mean, how are you looking at building a penalty kill, um, when, when it comes to that situation to you in a game? Yeah. So I, again, it just depends on your personnel and what you have for depth in your team and in your program to begin with. But one of the things that we say, you're not like, you're not two forwards, you're not two defensemen out there, you're four players. So you, you might end up switching. So it's not, it, I want my hardest working, strongest players, not necessarily, not necessarily your best, but your strongest and your smart players. So, you know, the challenging thing about high school hockey, like I'll use this season as an example. I had four defensemen. I had a short, um, I didn't have a lot of depth at defense. So a lot of the times, your defenseman is the one taking the penalty, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, right. it just happens. So now you're down to three. So that changes the mindset on a, on a penalty kill. Sometimes you're using three forwards, one D. So you just have to remind them you're just four players out there. And, you know, basically the, I run, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not anything difficult. It's you're running a box and then you might collapse your box a little bit, depending on how the other team runs their power play. But for me, I want my hardest working fast. You know, you want them fast and uh, smart players, gritty. Yes, the kid that's not afraid to block the shot. Right. Yeah, you, sometimes you're still teaching that at this level. So there's no super science behind it. Um, it depends, again, on your personnel and who you have available. Because even if it is a forward that takes the penalty, it might be your best forward or your best penalty killer as well. So there's so much that you're yeah. changing within the game. So it's not, you can have a foundation of a, of a system, but it all depends on the actual moment. So, and do you find girls being like, coach, I want to go out there, coach, I want to kill this penalty coach, you know, like, or is it like something you got to really kind of like in football, I know special teams, you sometimes you got to like, really teach the kids and show the kids how important and valuable special teams is. Is that something you have to do or you find girls oh, like, want to get absolutely. out there? 
but every kid wants to get out there. There's no doubt. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's actually, that's one of the most refreshing things. You know, if they want to get out there, that's, that's a great sign. So, um, yeah. And you are teaching, you're teaching beyond just the simplicity of the game at that point. Right. You're just, you're making them think, all right, yeah, I know you can skate. I know you can shoot a puck, but this is what, what you need to do in this situation. Or this is why you don't chase behind the net on a penalty kill, right? Because they're harmless behind the net. So let them stay there. You know, yeah. don't chase. You're already down a person. So, yeah, certain things on the, power, on the penalty kill is, you know, you, you, don't, you need to actually hold the reins a little bit. You got to teach them to be a little bit more reserved. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, again, and that's, that's the whole part of the element of coaching that I love is just everyone systematically is a little different and has their theories about things. And, you know, everyone's systems, you know, is somewhat the same, but everyone has their own tweaks to it or things that they like to do in certain situations. So it's always good to hear a little bit about special teams. Uh, one of my biggest questions I have for you, and, and this is, I love asking hockey coaches, this is, you know, how important is goaltending? Like I look at goaltending, like I look at a quarterback in football, right? Like a quarterback in football can make or break you in, in a season in a sense that they can win you some games based off of their athleticism and making a few plays um, and, and keep you in some games that you might have no business being in. I mean, do you feel that that's a fair comparison for a goaltender in hockey that they can win absolutely. you some games and keep you in some games and how important that is? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it actually, it can be the foundation of how you run your whole system as far as forecheck or even um, if you have tremendous goaltending, you can be a little bit more risky offensively. Um, yeah. And, or because you can take the risk of, all right, you know, if it's a two on one, you know, your goaltender is that good to be able to give you a chance to stop it. So yeah, goaltending is, they're the backbone, right? And then of course, then you set up your system as far as defensively, like good defense, your, your good defense creates great offense, right? So if you're best defenseman is your goalie you're in a pretty good position so yeah and that's what I figured I mean you know and it's, it's not saying that your team can't win without great goaltending but you know you see it in the playoffs now I mean I'm sure you're watching playoff hockey right now and the most impressive thing is how some of these goaltenders are playing very early on I mean you're looking at shots and saves that goalies are making that you know, games could be really out of reach if some of these goalies aren't making the plays that they're making or the saves that they're making. So at the high school level, I, I, I kind of figured it was very similar, you know, to that. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, can a goalie steal a game and win a game? Absolutely. And a goalie can lose a game. Right. right. But on the, on the flip side, you can always say, I, what I find funny is the goaltender and thankfully I'm not a goalie mom, but, um, you know, it's so easy to, to pick up the one mistake that they made the whole game, the one mistake, right? right? And so much pressure on them. So, but yeah, I mean, and we tease goalies. It's this special world that they live in. They're just different creatures. So right. they're fun people for sure. But if you have a good goalie in high school hockey, you're going to, you're going to contend. Yeah. I mean, goaltender in any sport, right? I mean, hockey, lacrosse, uh, soccer, I mean, you name it, like you got to have a different mindset, you know, because like in hockey, you're like, yeah, I want guys to take or girls to take 70, 80, 90 miles an hour slap shots. 
at me all the time yeah. and like have to be an acrobat in every direction. And yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and it's so, fun for them. Yeah, they love it. That's the best part. <laughs> like to them, it's just like so fun. And like yeah. where most people you're sitting there and you know, like you said, the pressures of playing that position in general in goalie, yeah. there's a lot of pressure. I mean, sometimes you even watch professional games like Tuka Rask could play unbelievable, right? And then he has one he bad that game. one week goal and everybody hates Everyone him. Everyone hates him. And he's a topic <laughs> of conversation for four hours on the radio. And, you know, and it's – and you look it around and you're just like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a tough spot to play. So yeah, um, yeah I, I could totally see that. Um, one special thing I really think, and I've had one other coach on here, actually, ironic enough, Macalusi, who teaches in Metro now is in Melrose. Yeah. He coaches his daughters in lacrosse currently, but you've had the opportunity to coach your oldest daughter, Brenna, and, and your younger daughter, or your middle daughter, youngest, your middle child, youngest daughter, yeah. uh, Rayanne. Um, and I got to have them in school and they're really special girls and awesome girls and just like all around great kids. But talk about balancing that, like of coaching them as coach, you know, and having expectations for them there, but then also being mom and kind of having to bring that home sometimes and how you balanced it really well. Yeah, it wasn't, you know what I'll say, tip my hat to them because, well, first of all, let me say this. When I started coaching at Medford, my girls weren't even playing hockey yet. So it was so fun to actually walk that journey with them as they got involved. And, but when they did start playing hockey, I made a promise to myself and to them that I would never get, I would never be that parent just because it was my passion or because of my knowledge that I would throw it down at them. And because I told you or anything like that. So I, I think I stayed pretty true to that promise. And I think if you talk to my girls, they would, they would say that I always said, I won't say anything until they come to me and ask. And that was at youth hockey games. We get in the car and it was just, I wouldn't say a word other than, you know, good job, love watching you or whatever. Never anything. If they asked a question, sure. Now the floodgates are open. Hey, I'll yeah, tell you, you, you asked, you, you asked, asked. <laughs> you know. Um, but in terms of in their high school year, so like I said, it was so fun to watch them just progress and fall in love with the same sport that I loved, right? So that was awesome. And then Brenna was able to play in her eighth grade year before high school because of the waiver. And she got, she got to, to get a taste of coach McCarthy and really just soak all of what he, all his knowledge in. And um, she kind of related to like anything I would come home and talk about as a coach prior to them playing. She's like, now I know what you mean by coach McCarthy. Like he is just so thorough and intent. He wasn't intense, like in a, raw like screaming he just loved the game that much and he was so passionate about teaching it so that's where his intensity lied um so she was able to get that so when I was able to transition to head coach her freshman year and then further down the road when Rayanne joined the team it wasn't difficult I'll be honest when I was at the rink the, the deal was I'm coach at the rink always coach at the rink and it was never never a problem if anything, it was a problem for them when I had to make decisions on personnel to put out. I had to put a little bit more thought about, okay, you got the senior that has some experience, but then I got my own kid who's a freshman who has more talent, but hasn't earned their keep yet either. It's not just about, it's, it's not just about your best players. It is, you're putting it out varsity hockey, you're, you want your best players. But when it's like just, 
that close in comparison. You want experience sometimes. So I did feel sometimes that I was actually reluctant to put my own kid in a situation or on the ice on first line, second line, because they were the coach's kid. So they had to work, I think, a little bit harder. Now that they're done playing for me, they had to work a little bit harder to prove themselves. But um, it was easy, and it didn't come home. It never came home. I actually I felt really bad for them at some points. of They had to earn the trust of their teammates and their peers because sometimes they were – I don't want to say felt bad for them, but they were subjected to – not being invited out socially because that's coach's mm-hmm. daughter. She's going to go home and tell coach we were doing this. Not that they were doing anything wrong. They were just being teenagers. Yeah. Um, so they, that's where mom came in and said, Hey, you need to, you need to earn the trust of your peers and reassure them that they're your family, they're your sisters, you know, in terms of they're your team. So at some point, points they they had some challenges but overall it was pretty seamless it really was um and it was pretty incredible to be able to say that I was able to coach my own daughters especially knowing when I took this job on they weren't even hockey players so that was never like it was never in the in the cards when I first took this on so as it progressed it was just an incredible experience so humbling so proud of them um proud of them as a coach but proud as mom too you know yeah to no it's them. awesome i mean not yeah. many coaches get to experience that and, and just to hear the way that you did it i mean my dad coached me growing up and those are the same exact things someone had to serve a penalty it was me uh if somebody yeah. had to sit out an inning it was me like it was yeah. always me and I, as a kid you don't understand that but as you get a little bit older and you have that next coach at that next level you start to get it and understand it more. And you're like, damn, you know, they taught me this. Like, I, I didn't really realize how important that was as a, even just in the mentality of being a player and being a good teammate. Right. Um, they had a little bit more to prove, I think. Not, not to me, not to me as mom, not to me as coach, but for their teammates, you know. Yeah. Um, and I will say, overall, the, their teammates, they understood, like, coach was coach. It wasn't hey, let me call, let me call Ray, let me call Ray and find out what time practice is. No, ask coach, you know, yeah. it's like, That's just cool. as, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, ask mom, no, text coach, you know, not even text, it was, I know from coach. Yeah, <laughs> page <know>? coach, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and yeah, and I think that that's, you know, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to hear that. I mean, I had your girls in school and they're, and they're as, as humble as they can be. And then when they were just better than a lot of the boys in class in some of the sports when I have them and just how humbling and nice they were. And, you know, that's a, that's a direct reflection of you and, and, and how you brought them up and how you coached them. So, um, I'm going to jump into our last question before we jump into the two minute drill here. And I love to ask coaches this question and specifically this month, because we've gotten some phenomenal answers, but you know, as a former collegiate athlete yourself and now a head coach, talk about your advice, I guess, just to, you know, female athletes in general, female coaches in general about, um, that are interested in, in playing at that next level or interested in jumping into the world of coaching that what would be the advice that you would give them, Um, if they decide to go down that avenue. So I think one of the things you have to say is why are you doing it? Why do you want to do it? And if it's for all the right reasons, 
then 100% just dive in. You're not, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay if you make mistakes or um, you don't know what you're doing. Sometimes it's part of your growth process as, as a person, as a coach, Um, don't be afraid to not be good or lose games or figure out why you want to do it and what's the purpose. And if there's enough reason to, to pour yourself into it 100%, just do it. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the most rewarding. Um, for me, it's been so rewarding. And I think because it helps me reflect my journey, my road. Um, I love being able to still talk that Tony Bova asked me to play hockey. I still love being able to talk about playing boys hockey in Medford. And at the time, don't like, you had the Sackos, the Bates, the, uh, you can go on and on. I mean, it's Kachuk's, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Keith Kachuk was my teammate all through youth hockey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, the fact that I just, my experiences, not that what I lived, I'm trying to throw on my kids that I coach, but, um, if anybody wants to, it, the coaching aspect, just go and do it. And then as far as anybody wanting to get into the sport, always looking to grow the sport. One, like you said, I'm part of planting the seed here. But um, just, you don't know. I, at the time when I was playing, I just did it because, not because I was good at it, because I loved it and I had fun at it. So that still needs to be the very same foundation for kids today. Not because... You can go play college hockey or you can play for Team USA. It still has to be that simple foundation of you love it and you have fun. Yeah. And then with if those if you have those two components and you're willing to work hard, good things are gonna happen. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great advice. And yeah. yeah, and when I coach I say the same thing to kids. I'm like, Play for the kid that fell in love with the game way back when. That's who you play for every single game. Yeah, and I think part of that for me, part of the coaching is I coach because I want to help somebody else fall in love with the game that that gave me so much, gave me so many experiences that I don't know I would have had. So, yeah. Cool. No, that's really cool. Um, so we're going to jump into our last segment here, our two minute drill. This is our fun segment. I've had a lot of coaches that, that give me great feedback about this and this is how it works. I'm just going to ask you a few questions, uh-huh. rapid fire style, uh, one or two word answers. Most coaches go beyond that. So we're, we're pretty cool about it. Um, but again, just a fun segment, get some fun answers out of you and, and I have a good time here. Okay. All right. So I'm going to set the timer and, and uh, here we go. As a college hockey player, what was the one team you wanted to beat bad every single year? UNH. UNH. Awesome. And Providence. Okay. So just yeah. because you had mentioned earlier, because they're just those types of programs. Yeah. Those are your rivals. They, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. For sure. Song that still gets you pumped up before a game. Uh, right now. And the Hey song. Okay. Okay. I love it. This yeah. is one of my favorite questions. I love yeah. hearing all these different answers to it. Uh, toughest place to play as a coach, like one place that you guys go play and it's just a tough spot to play. At high school? Yeah. High school. High school. High school. Uh, Winthrop. I'll just throw Winthrop. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, one word that would describe your coaching behavior on the bench. Uh, 
passionately calm. <laughs> Passionate's a big one. So I'm going to flip it. I am passionate, but I'm very calm. That's one of the lessons Dave McCarthy taught me. Okay. I guess I, it's, it's my nature anyway, but with that calmness is passion. It bleeds through, I think. I think. Well, what would your player say? What would be one word your players would say you think? Calm. Okay. Okay. So it's calm around. I like it. I think so. Um, on a breakaway, you get on a breakaway. What was your move? What was your move? Uh, it all depends what the goalie gave you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I had a favorite one. I guess it wasn't like the Lamoro when it, when she won the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess any, any move that you scored, I guess was my best move. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. Um, and last question, who is the fastest Forbes, you or your daughters? Who's the fastest one in the family in a race who would win? My daughters. Okay. Very safe answer there. Very safe answer. <laughs> well, yeah. that's it. You've survived the two minute drill. Um, and, and I want to thank you coming on here. I mean, I, I said at the top and I'm going to say it again. I mean, you really are a trailblazer. I mean, someone who, you know, played a, a predominantly boys game in this area, um, was able to play yeah. collegiately and, and you paved the way you, you know, you are a big part of these female athletes that are playing these female hockey players that are playing like the Chelsea Goldbergs and the PWHPA and they're playing for the rights of these girls, like I said, in the future, to make this a sustainable lifestyle. You had a lot to do with that. You know, I had your kids uh -huh. in school um, and, and to see the type of kids they were reflects the type of mom you are and obviously reflects the type of coach that you are. So what you're doing is great. Keep doing it. Keep doing awesome. And um, again, from Beyond Podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis, uh, Rayanne Forbes. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank um, you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm yeah. very honored that in this month, you know, big month that you chose very wise and you, you chose me and, you know, being one Medford person to another, um, lots of pride in that always a Mustang. And I'm proud of what you're doing as well. I mean, this is just awesome. And uh, I thank you humbly. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, honor was all mine. I, I thought I reached out to you right away. I reached early out to yeah. you about it because I just knew your story was phenomenal and that you would be, you know, for your players that are listening or family or friends that know you that maybe don't know the whole story and understand the yeah. whole story that they got a little bit of a taste of it and understand it. So, um, I was really glad that you were able to tell it on here. So you're welcome back anytime. And right. uh, we hope to have you on down the road at some point again. All right. All Love right. To. So, so till next time, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis, Ray and Forbes, Mefford High School Hockey. Uh, till next time. Beyond X's